You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus who bounces off a one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, NASA Chobie. Welcome in to another edition of Hawk Talk this season. Regular season week 11, Seahawks traveling to L.A. to take on the Rams, fresh off their thrilling 29-26 victory over the Washington Commanders. And before we get into those guys, I just want to give you a little update from the practice field veteran second-year player now, Abe Lucas, I call him a veteran because he's an OG, has been designated to return to practice, which is great. Pete Carroll talked about that last week, but very good to see him out there in his absence. We've seen Jake Curhan, we've seen Stowe Forthyth, we've seen Jason Peters out there, so really good to see. But just a reminder, when people coming off the IR can be designated or return to practice, that means they can practice for up to 21 days without being added to the roster. When those 21 days are over, then the team needs to make a decision whether to elevate them the rest of the year or keep them on IR. So definitely good. I know Bump is happy to see his Coug back out there, Abe Lucas, back on the practice field. But let's flip it over to the team we're playing this weekend, the L.A. Rams. What's on tap? What's on tap? Bump, these Rams, three and six, third place in the NFC West. They did have a shocking win over the Seahawks in week one, beating them 30-13. They've lost games to San Francisco, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, or beat Indianapolis, lost to Philly, lost to Pittsburgh, lost to Dallas, and lost to Green Bay. So they're in the midst of a three-game losing streak, and they were competitive early on against the 49ers and the Bengals and the Eagles. Last three weeks, Bump, they've been getting smickety-smacked. It, it has not been close, <laughs> has not been competitive the way that you'd think it would be. Um so they're they're kind of in a weird place. Matthew Stafford got hurt against the Cowboys. They turned to Brett Rippin. Shout out to the, the Washington alum there, Brett. And then things didn't go well for Brett when he filled in for Stafford. So unfortunately for him, they released him the next week. But he's been snatched up by the right team, the Seahawks. He's on the Seahawks practice squad now. But uh, head coach Sean McVay did talk about the Rams are getting more healthy. Matthew Stafford looks like he will be back this week as well as Rob Havasin, the right tackle, Ernest Jones, their linebacker, and Bobby Brown. Looks like they'll also be back this week. The Rams also added Carson Wentz to kind of elevate that QB room. So a lot of things going on in L.A., Bump. Yeah, man, lots of things going on in the that quarterback room. I think Carson Wentz, man, he's a veteran, right? He'll make things um, a bit more comfortable if, if Matthew Stafford were to go down. But let's look at this team head-to-head, man. The Seahawks are 6-3, and three, Rams 3-6. Three and six. When it comes to total offense, the Rams on paper and with the numbers have a better offense than the Seattle Seahawks. The ring 14th overall, the Hawks are 18th. Running the Rock, the Hawks are 24th, the Rams are 17th. Drawing the Rock, the Rams are 14th, the Hawks are 13th. When it comes to points per game, that's where the Hawks got them. They're averaging 22 points per game. The Rams are averaging 19.8 per game. Now, defense, again, this surprised me too, Nass. I looked at this, I go, there's no way the Rams statistically have a better defense than the mm-hmm. Hawks. Yeah, I guess they do. Rams rank 20th. The Seahawks are ranked 25th. Um, I look at those numbers and I go, 
All right, man, one bad game kind of skewed all these numbers. But you know what? It is what it is. You have to take the good and the bad. I still think on paper, personnel-wise, this defense and offense is better, are better than the uh, the Rams. Yeah, man, when you look at that, I mean, it's it's bizarre, too, because you look at some of the scores and you're like, dang, the, the Rams have lost six games and some of them by a lot. But like you said, losing 37-3 to to the Ravens really skewed all of these especially defensively because they were really making a climb back and where they were right. in all these rankings and then that kind of set them back. But yeah, bump. I'm, I'm the one thing that I like, I like the turnover differential. The Rams are minus two. The Seahawks were plus three. Then yep. you look at sacks. The Seahawks have 30 sacks. The Rams only have 19. So there's a couple little advantages here and there, but statistically you're right on paper, despite the opposite records, the Rams have the slight edge. But as you said, I think the roster's a little bit better for the Seahawks. But these teams play all the time, every year, twice a year. Let's know the history. Know your history. Bob, I'm going to be quick here, man. I think this was recent enough that it's still kind of, I'm happy the Seahawks got over it. Seahawks lost their last game at home in the season opener, losing 32-13 to these Rams. The all-time series, the Seahawks are 27-25 and with the Rams having true edge in the postseason. But, bump that first game, man, shoot. Tail two halves, man. The Seahawks didn't punt in the first half, but punted every possession of the second half. The Rams scored on every drive of the second half. The Rams dominated time of possession. They also did this without Cooper Cup, and that was kind of the league's introduction to Puka Nakua. Seahawks scored just one touchdown that day. Third downs were brutal. Hawks were 2 of 9. Rams were 11 of 17. I mentioned it. Atwell, Nakua each had 119 yards rushing or receiving, so they went off. And one of the only positives that day was Bobby had 19 tackles in his return to Seattle. So definitely a day the Seahawks would love to forget. And really just a half they'd love to forget. People forget the Seahawks were winning that game at halftime. It just looked so ugly in the second half that uh, it didn't go their way and it lost 30-13. to 13. But that's in the past. Seahawks are playing a lot better <laughs> ball. The Rams are playing a lot less ball. So we'll figure out what's going on there. But that's a great segue to figure out what else happened in the NFC West. What's the word? And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? All right, it's kind of crowded at the top in the NFC West. You got the Seahawks at six and three. The Niners are six and three as well. Talks about the Rams. They are three and six. And then the Cardinals get a win last week. Uh, They are two and a. But let's focus on these 49ers. And um, were they able to bounce back after a bye week? Yes, they were, man. They beat the Jags. 34-3 to on the road, man. Going into the bye, they lost three games in a row, and this team looked different than the one we remembered. They were all world, all team, couldn't lose a game, but then they got humbled a little bit. Brock Purdy got back on track. He was 19 of 26 for 296 and three touchdowns. Had a QB rating of 149. Uh, One of those touchdowns went to George Kittle, who had three receptions for a buck 16. Goodness gracious, and a 66-yard touchdowns. Ain't too many tight ends taking his 66 yards for a touchdown. He's one of them. Christian McCaffrey, um, he had a great finish. He had 142 yards, but his streak of consecutive games with a touchdown ended at 17, and they were trying to give it to him, too. They were trying to keep that thing going, just not able to do it. Um, He was tied with Lenny Moore for the NFL record. The Niners tried to get him the ball, like I said, um, targeting him on five consecutive plays, um, but just weren't able to get it done. I appreciate the 49ers understanding history and saying, let's get our guy to rock. But you hear McCaffrey talk about it after the game. He appreciates it too. And was like, look, we got the win. So it's all good. Uh, Debo Samuel returned to the lineup as well. He had a 23 yard touchdown and San Francisco dominated both 
lines of scrimmage and controlled the game from the open and dry. The Niners ran for a buck 44 against one of the league's top run defenses and sacked Trevor Lawrence five times. Now, the Jags are a good team, but, um, you know, when you play against that Niners defense, things are going to happen. The Jags had a five possession stretch in which they fumbled. They kicked the field goal. They threw an interception. They fumbled and threw another interception. It was uh, it was a tough day for these guys, to say the least. Yeah, you uh, turn the ball over on four to five possessions. You're not going to win a lot of games in any league that you play in. Um, and you mentioned real quick about Shanahan trying to give them the record. You try to get your guy a record to a point, and then you're like, this is a blowout. <laughs> this is going to look real bad if we're trying to get him a touchdown and he gets hurt. So, right. unfortunately for him, he didn't get that record. Elsewhere in the division, the Falcons and the Cardinals. You mentioned it, Bump. The Cardinals. Look at them getting another win. Okay. I see you, Kyler. Yeah. Kyler Murray made his triumphant return after his Cardinals had lost six consecutive games. Hadn't won a game since September 24th where they beat the Cowboys. Murray threw for 249 yards and ran for a touchdown, obviously returning from that torn ACL. Matt Prater made a game-winning 23-yard field goal as time expired, and the Cardinals beat the Falcons 25-23. Murray had a couple really important plays on the game-winning drive, you know, reminding people why he was the number one pick slightly, just to get a sense of what their offense can look like. He had a big 13-yard scramble on a third and 10 after almost being sacked multiple times. Then he hit Trey McBride on a 33-yard pass that set up that short field goal to win the game. James Conner had 16 carries for 73 yards, but Trey McBride was the guy of the day there, leading receiver 131 yards on eight catches. On the other side, woo, the Falcons look brutal, man. Both quarterbacks, I'm going to let you their stat line real quick. Heineke and Desmond Ritter, 12 of 21, 70 yards total, one touchdown. So, goodness gracious. I don't care who you're playing, you are not going to win a lot of games like that. And we talked about the Rams on the bye week. So, Seahawks have a lot ahead of them. One more game in the division before the gauntlet starts with the 49ers, Cowboys, and Eagles. So, it's going to get interesting. If the Seahawks want to win this division, it needs to start this week against the Rams. Man up. Hey, who man's is this? Who man's is this? Man up, man up, man up, man up on Hawk Talk. All right, let's start with Matthew Stafford. This guy is looking to come back against the Seahawks. Is looking good so far, man. And um, the last time he played against the Seahawks. He did his thing. I mean, he was 24, 38, 334. Uh, he led the Rams uh, to 11 of 17 on third downs and threw for 17 first downs. He could do no wrong that first week. Uh new cool was there. I'm sure we're going to talk about him in a minute, but uh, they look good. They dominated time of possession, 39 minutes or 20 minutes. And uh, his career stats against Seattle, he's completing 65% of his passes. Over 2,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. He's been he's been sacked 12 times in seven games. He will turn the football over. We know that about Matthew Stafford. They're going to ask him to throw it a lot. He will turn the football over. So far this year, he's completing 59% of his passes for 2,000 yards, eight touchdowns, and seven interceptions. He's been sacked 19 times. Don't sleep on him, though. We know that he can get hot. Uh, his 2023 career, uh, excuse me, his 2023 numbers are down for some of his career numbers, right? His 59 completion percentage, he only played eight games, will be the worst since 2013. That was his fifth year in the league. He's also on pace for just 16 touchdowns, excluding last season where he only played in 10 games. That will be the fewest since 2010. Uh, This guy's getting old, 
and he's getting banged up. So that, that's affecting his numbers, man. On defense, the Seahawks bounced back. They had a pretty good performance through three quarters against the Commanders. And then in the fourth quarter, it got a little shaky. They allowed two long touchdowns, um, eight plays for 73 yards and 10 plays for 71 yards. The Hawks are 25th in defense, like we talked about. They're 22nd against the pass, and the Rams are the 14th-ranked offense, averaging 335 yards per game. They also have the 14th-ranked passing offense with 231 yards per game. So, look, Matthew Stafford is back. Cooper Cup is healthy. Puka Nakua is there. Kyron Williams is banged up, so you're not going to see him in the backfield. Um, yeah, respect the game. Respect the team. They could be in St. Louis. They can be in L.A. You play the Rams, you got to be ready to go. It doesn't matter who you talk to. If you're a Seahawks fans and you see the Rams lining up, you're taking that game seriously. Obviously, after what happened in week one, doesn't matter if you're talking to KJ Wright or Brian Walters or whoever we talk to all the time from those Super Bowl teams. They said those were our toughest games, even when they had the Legion of Boom defense and all that. So the Rams are going to be tough, especially with who they got as a head coach. Sean McVay will make things difficult for you no matter what. Even if you lose, he's going to make you think he's going to, you know, Test every defensive coordinator out there. So Clint Hurts is going to have his hands full there. Flipping over to our side, the quarterback, Geno Smith, taking on the Rams defense. Geno responded in a big way against the Commanders, one of his best games ever. He went 31 to 47, 369 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. His 369 yards is a career high, beating his previous high of 367 against this Rams team last December. He had another career high in attempts with 47. And this is a thing that I think got lost a little bit in the narrative following that game. Gino came up big in the clutch. Gino now has three game-winning drives this season. Reminder, that's defined as a drive that gave his team the lead for good in the fourth quarter or overtime. That is his 13th career game-winning drive in just 60 starts. For context, Gino has led game-winning drives in 21% of his starts. So almost Man. every one of four, he's leading a game-winning drive. So I don't want to hear the narrative that he's not clutch. <laughs> Can we put that bleep to bed? Thank you very much. That's my TED Talk for this evening. <laughs> um, after turning the ball over eight times the past four weeks, Geno finished the game with no turnovers against Commanders. That's what's huge. When you compare the stats from last year, he's just off about 200 yards short of the passing yards. Touchdowns minus four and interceptions plus three. But his numbers are close. He... We know what he can do. He showed us what he can do a little bit, Commanders. So that was a, that was a great game. And you know, going up against this Ram defense, they're not as great as they have been in years past. They're 20th in total defense and 14th against the pass. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. But I'm I'm really looking forward to Geno to have another consistent performance against this Rams team. Yeah, man. Um, Geno is a quiet assassin, and I think his mistakes are blown out of proportion, and his successes aren't given enough attention. So I'm glad that you pointed that out. Let's talk about this receiving core for the Rams, man. Cooper Cup is healthy. You got Puka. You also have Tutu over there, man. Puka has been something special. And now you add Cooper Cup, they got to be one of the deadliest duos in the league. People forget, man, just a couple years ago, Cooper Cup at the Triple Crown, 145 receptions for 1,947 yards and 16 touchdowns. Left him four receptions short of the single-single record held by Michael Thomas. That also left him to 17 yards short of Calvin Johnson's single-single record of 1964. So, let me say, 1964. I don't want y'all to think Calvin was playing back in 1964. My mama wasn't even born back then. <laughs> <all right? laughs> but since then, Coop's missed a lot of games, man. He missed 12 games in the last two years. Um, he missed the first four games 
Uh, but he had back-to-back 100-yard games once he returned to the lineup. But during the three-game losing streak, Cooper's only had eight receptions for 98 yards, zero touchdowns. So far this year, 23 receptions for 364 and one touchdown. Now, the guy who looked good in his absence, Puka Nakua, he went to UW, went to BYU, drafted in the fifth round in 2023. When he played the Hawks in week one, he had 10 receptions for 119. It was crazy. No one knew who he was. I mean, you knew who he was because of him going to UW right. and BYU, but, man, he hit the scene, man. And he's still balling. 64 receptions, 827, and two touchdowns. Yeah, six in the NFL in yards, seventh in targets, man. He's 98 yards away from breaking the Rams' rookie receiving record. Safe to say he's going to do that. Let's just hope he doesn't do it against us. Now, you got Tutu Atwell. I like this guy, man. He's a versatile type of player, man. He's a second-round pick in 2021. This year, he has 32 receptions for 374 and three touchdowns. So um, let's see what, 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 what Spoon looks like against these guys. What Reek looks like, what, what Trey Brown looks like. This is going to be a nice group. I think this is the performance-wise probably the best duo all, all year that these guys have faced. You can look at Jamar and Higgins. Jamar didn't really play that well um, when, when the Hawks played him, but this is going to be a tough one. Yeah, they'll exploit you for sure. Like Cooper Cup and Puka Nicole will find ways to get open. If you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing in the middle of the field, They'll exploit you. And then Cooper Cup can also take you over the top. That's the other thing people forget about him. He's not just deceptively fast. It's okay to just say he's fast. He's fast. Is that okay, Bob? Can I say that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can say that. <laughs> so, yeah, they're going to they're gonna make things hard on the defensive back. So Trey Brown and Witherspoon, I, I'm pretty sure they'll be up for the task. And now there's another guy in the middle of their defense that we've known for a long time. His name's Aaron Donald. And this matchup is Aaron Donald versus everybody. Because we say this every time we play the Rams. But it's true, man. He's still one of the greatest players of this generation, without question. Nine-time Pro Bowler, 17 first-team All-Pro, three-time AP Defensive Player of the Year. In his 10th season with the Rams, he's still leading them in sacks and TFLs. On the season, Donald's got 37 tackles, five-and-a-half sacks, and 11 TFLs. In the Week 1 against the Seahawks, he had four tackles and half a sack. Since entering the league in 2014, Aaron Donald has 15-and-a-half sacks against the Seahawks, making his making that the second most sacked team of his career. Donald's also been healthy this year, missing uh, starting and playing in all nine games. But last year, he was it was the first year he'd ever missed any significant time. He missed six games last year. Prior to that, he'd only missed two games in his entire career. So, as usual, find out where 99 is, and you better have at least one or two guys on him because he is incredibly talented. So, you know, if he gets half a sack, that's a win for me. That's a win. One sack. I'll, I'll take one sack. Yeah, no he, TFL. I mean, I guess you get a sack that is a TFL. Yeah. He is top five in the league with TFLs. Yeah, so, so maybe one, two. Maybe one. Yeah, one <laughs> One sack I'm okay with. And the Seahawks, you know, have had struggles a couple times as of late. But on the season, they've only allowed 19 sacks. So that's eighth best in the league. Kansas City's number one, allowing just 12 sacks. So figure out where Aaron Donald is. Exploit him. Block him. Evan Brown. All those guys. Make sure 99 is covered up. Yep. 99 is a problem. Um, I was trying to think of like a Jay Z bar right there. You got ninety nine problems, and Aaron Donald is all of them. Yes, is, we'll say. Hey, there, <laughs> there you go. go. It, it took you a while to think about it, but yeah, you got it. Yeah, I see you. A minute, you know, I, hey, I got it. I got it. All right, next matchup: DK and Tyler Lockett throwing Jason two against this Rams secondary. Our duo had their best games so far combined this year. 15 receptions, 190 yards, and one touchdown combined. And JSN got the party going early. He had four receptions for 53 yards. Uh, the combo DK, Tyler, and JSN combined for 19 receptions, 243 yards, and one touchdown. 
the best game by these three so far. These are the type of games that you're looking for. We're hoping that means there is more to come. Uh, the Hawks still haven't had a 100-yard receiver since week three. And uh, DK missed that mark by two yards. He had 98 yards this past game. The Rams are 14th in the NFL when it comes to allowing uh, yards through the air, 217 per game. Now, the Rams' top corners, we know one of these guys, right? Um, Akello Witherspoon, he was with us for a little bit. He had twenty. He has 23 tackles, six passes defending, two interceptions. You got Kobe Durant. He's got 31 tackles, five passes defending. And you have uh, Darian Kendrick. He has 30 tackles, four passes defending, and two TFLs. DK and Tyler have the ability to climb up the leaderboard when it comes to history um, this week, man. We're talking about receptions and yards and all that stuff and touchdown. We got DK. He needs one touchdown to pass Steve Largent and Joey Galloway for first place for the most receiving touchdowns in a player's first five seasons in franchise history. He's got 38. He needs one touchdown to pass Joey Galloway for fifth place on Seattle's all-time receiving touchdown list with 38. He needs 90 yards to pass my guy. Bobby Ingram for sixth place on Seattle on Seattle's all-time receiving yards with 4,860. He needs 48 yards to pass Steve Largent for second place for the most receiving yards in a player's first five seasons in franchise history. He needs two touchdowns to pass Sherman Smith for 10th place on Seattle's all-time total touchdowns list with 39. All right, you ready for Tyler now? Man, these dudes are just ball. Come on. All right. So Tyler Lockett, he needs three receptions to pass Brian Blaze for second place on Seattle's all-time receptions list with 582. Goodness gracious. Half five. Uh, he needs 27 <laughs> yards to pass Brian Blaze for second place on Seattle's all-time receiving yards list with 7,621. He needs one touchdown to pass Kurt Warner for fourth place on Seattle's all-time total touchdowns list with 63. And he needs one 100-yard game to tie Daryl Jackson for second place for the most 100-yard games in Seattle's history with 19. Might as well just knock them all out on Sunday. Just get all these done. It's close. I think they can get all of them realistically. I wasn't even sure if you're going to go through that whole list, but my goodness. I, are you out of breath? I mean, might as well. Might hey, as well. These boys are close. I mean, that's it, it could be we're going to have all these to you since we put it out there. We're going to hit them all this weekend. Bump will tell you about every single one of them in the post game. So let's get it. So <laughs> that being said, let's tell you guys how the Seahawks are going to get this victory down in L.A. Path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away. And that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. Another big divisional matchup, and this is one where the Seahawks can prove that week one was a total fluke. Fluke. Every division game is important, you know, especially with two games against the 49ers looming. And this is huge. You know, one of Pete Carroll's goals when you walk downstairs in the locker room, one of the things that says, own the NFC West. That's always one of their goals, and it starts by winning all those games. After you drop in one, you've lost one in in division. You're two and one, so figure out a way to get this done and continue that roll ball rolling into San Francisco the following week. And the other thing too, get after Matthew Stafford. He cannot be comfortable the way he was in Week One, where he diced everybody up, and and you can't allow him to pick you apart across the middle in that passing game. I really love where the Seahawks secondary is right now. I love how they're playing. I just think you know. The key to getting after Stafford is making him not feel comfortable. He's not a runner. He's not going to scramble all around the place like Lamar Jackson or even Sam Howell, for that matter. So make him uncomfortable and take the ball away. 
Yeah, how do you do that? Blitz that man. The Hawks blitz about 22% of the time. Let's make it about 35 this week. Make about 35. Put some pressure on him. And you can't let the receivers go off, man. Puga's already done it once, all right? And we don't need to see Cooper Cup do it at all. Press these guys off the line of scrimmage. Make life tough for these dudes. Build off of what you did last week. Uh, you saw some things. Gino, you won yourself a ball game. Defense was great for three quarters, kind of slipped up at the end, but you're checking some boxes, all right? So keep checking those boxes. Hand the football to Zach. Hand the football to Ken and let them do their thing. Yeah, man, that sounds like a great plan, Bob. feel like you know what you're talking about, man. Hey, a little bit. A little something. Just a bit. And the last thing I'll say is be better on third down. Third down, I feel like the Seahawks were making strides in, and then the Ravens game happened, and then last game was a little off. But... Stay on the field, extend drives, win time possession. And then once they do that, there's no there's no telling what this uh, offense can do. Go 1-0 this week. Take down the Rams on the road. Set us up for a huge stretch of Niners, Cowboys, Niners, Eagles. I think this team's up for the challenge. Can't wait to watch it happen. This Sunday, Seahawks taking on the Rams at 125. We'll be on the radio at 10 a.m. He's Michael Bumpus. I'm Nasa Chobi. Reminder, you can catch us everywhere. Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Series, XM, and more. And if you're listening on Apple, please rate us five stars. We appreciate the love. Until next time, we'll be talking to you hopefully on Monday about a Seahawks victory. Thank you.